welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. With great power comes great responsibility. Is that a phrase that sounds familiar to you? It's actually old, like really old. A man named Voltaire, a French author in the 18th century, originally wrote that. But you and I probably recognize it more readily from Uncle Ben's speech to Spider-Man. I'm a pretty big superhero fan, not crazy sit-in-line-for-weeks fanatic, but I enjoy them. I've probably seen all of the Spider-Man movies in the last, I don't know, 15 years, which has been, what, three reboots or something like that? And in each one of those, early on in the origin story, Uncle Ben sits down with Peter Parker, who's just beginning to come to grips with his newfound power, his ability. And he's done something to disappoint his aunt and his uncle, something irresponsible, something selfish. And so Uncle Ben sits him down and says those famous words, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. The message he was conveying is simple and needful. The more ability you have, the more knowledge you have, the more strength you have, simply means that you have a greater opportunity to serve other people, people who don't have that strength, people who don't have that knowledge or power. You have been gifted so that you can share those gifts with them. Now, sadly, in every telling of the Spider-Man story, Uncle Ben dies shortly after that. And it takes Peter Parker a long time to come to grips with why he has been given this ability and power. But ultimately, he learns exactly what it's about. He goes out and he does for other people. The strong help the weak. The one with knowledge helps the people who have no idea what's going on. The one with the strength does most of the heavy lifting, even if it's someone else's burden. Now, we're going to talk about the significance of that momentarily and certainly talk a bit about Jesus. But if you want a real clear understanding of what I'm talking about, think about the villains in these superhero movies. In most cases, while they may have started from some lowly beginning, they have some power that the regular person doesn't have. Sometimes the villain is a genius. He has knowledge and intelligence that other people don't. Sometimes he's a billionaire and he's got power and money that other people don't have. Sometimes he has supernatural strength that the world just doesn't possess. Now, the difference between the villain and the hero is the villain thinks this elevates him above them. He thinks that being stronger means I'm better. He thinks that being more powerful means that I should be served by others. It's not with great power comes great responsibility. It's with great power, with great intellect or knowledge or ability comes great respect. I should be respected for what I know. And in almost all of those stories, he does not get that kind of demanded dictator-like respect from the people, 
So he uses his abilities over theirs to try to dominate them. Now, as we get into this episode, I have specific challenges for you, wherein you must determine if you are the one with the power or the one without. Are you the one with knowledge and intellect on a topic, and the other person is missing those things? Are you the one that's a step ahead? Chances are, if you're 70-something episodes into a program like this, and you've been working on your Bible study, your prayer life, your walk, your discipline, you probably are the strong one. You may always know more about God than the person you're conversing with. The question is, what do you do with that power? What do you think it earns you? What should the other person do in your presence? Consider the difference between the superhero who makes all the sacrifices, even though he is the strong one, versus the villain who demands sacrifice of others because he considers himself so great. Well, how about we move out of the realm of fiction into the realm of spiritual reality? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of this entire world, came to earth. While he emptied himself of his position on high, he was God in human form. He was always the smartest person in the room. He had great power. His power excelled every person he ever communicated with, every interaction he ever had. He had greater intellect, as we said. He had greater ability, greater perspective, greater understanding, greater strength. There wasn't a single person who ever came up to Jesus and he was the weak one and they were the strong one. Not a single time. And yet, Jesus personified with great power, strength, comes great responsibility. Here is how that lived out in Jesus' life before we zero in on you and me. Jesus knew more than everybody he ever spoke to, and yet he was very intellectually patient with them. He asked them questions to try to help them understand. He didn't make them feel dumb. He could have done that. He didn't ignore their questions because they were superficial and simple, although they almost always were. He sought to share understanding. He was patient and kind, and he worked with them. And that's how he built disciples. They got a little bit stronger. They never got as strong as him. They never understood what he understood, but he used his knowledge to serve them patiently. He had all the strength in the world. He could have called 10,000 angels. In a great number of ways, he could have utilized his power and made every knee bow. And yet, who on this earth sacrificed more than Jesus did? He deserved honor, worship, and admiration. And yet, with all that power and earned credit, he subjected himself to the ill treatment of the weak. He knew they were blind and dumb, sheep without direction. And yet, he allowed himself to be submitted to them in order that they might see his love for them. I want you to think about that. You're going to need it in a minute. Even though at times it meant he was mistreated and defrauded, he continued to show humility and serve 
and seek to teach. It's incredible. Now, you may be thinking about the times that he flipped the tables or he called out the Pharisees and labeled them. Yeah, there were times when he came out pretty hot and angry towards people. But hear me clearly, it was not just any weak person with which he interacted. He went above and beyond for them. The Pharisees weren't just weak, they were also mean and angry and hard-hearted. He was even next-level patient with them until the last portion of his ministry when he felt the need to tell them what they were and why they would be lost. And keep in mind, he flipped those tables on a couple of occasions in the temple, but it was not about, hey, I'm the guy who knows better, I'm the guy who should be respected, and you should be listening to me. The strong don't behave that way. They don't demand honor. They're not even out for it. In those cases, it was sin against his father that angered him. The strong get upset not because the weak mistreat them, but because of disrespect to God himself. But again, that's just service, isn't it? That's the one with the power showing great responsibility in defending the integrity of God and helping people grow. Now look, you may already have all the information you need in this podcast for the next few days of thinking. Do you ever consider yourself to be the strong one? I'm sure that happens for you. In your own family, there are probably people who are weak emotionally, maybe physically. There are people who spiritually are not where they ought to be. If you spend any time in a local church, you will have conversations with people who are young in the faith, weak in the sense of knowledge, and there are people who are weak in the sense of their spiritual walk and the power to do right. And it can be really frustrating seeing them falter and fail and how slowly they may be improving. And in fact, in their weakness, they may turn around to bite the hand that feeds them. In other words, you. You're the strong one here. You know more about God's will, and you're just trying to help them. You have greater strength in your life. You're not perfect, and you admit that, but you've come through some things, and you want to help them through some things, but they're showing this great weakness in them. How do you respond to that? Let me just remind you that the one with the most power is the one with the greatest responsibility. The strong always does most of the heavy lifting. It's just the way it is. The strong, those are the ones who have to be the most patient. Those are the ones who have to be the most careful. The weak aren't concerned with how careful they are. They just get angry and say something or get frustrated and do something. They're weak. That's why they're doing that. The question is, what will the strong do to stick with them? to keep helping them? What are the strong, the mature, the knowledgeable, the capable, what is that person willing to sacrifice for the sake of people who probably won't even appreciate it? Which is kind of the point. That's why they're weak. Well, you can think about Spider-Man if you want. I used him as an example because most of us have seen the films and because Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. But more in line with our faith, Just remember Jesus. So many times, the one who believes themselves to be strong ends up revealing weakness. If you know more about God and His Word, but you're not willing to be patient with people, to show undying love for their soul, to be willing to make personal sacrifices and take the hit just because it could help them get better, then maybe 
Maybe you're not as strong as you thought you were. You still probably have more knowledge and experience and perspective, but it's kind of like we've been teaching around here at the Lindale Church recently. We've been studying from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, which I want to talk to you about for the remainder of this episode. And I think there are three categories of people in 1 Corinthians 8, the weak, the strong, and the super strong. If you're listening to this episode, you want to excel still more. I'm almost sure you're not one of the weak ones of 1 Corinthians 8. There are probably a whole slew of really cool, strong people listening. So I'm not asking you today, as we get into 1 Corinthians 8, I'm not asking you if you're the weak one or the strong one. You are the strong one. What I'm asking you is, are you the strong one or are you super strong? Have you excelled that strength next level? Now, let me explain exactly what we're talking about. If you want to study this on your own, it really goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Christians were fighting over things, civil and legal things even, taking one another to court. And the Bible says, wouldn't you rather just be defrauded? Wouldn't you rather just be done wrong than to take something that brethren should be dealing with and air it out in the civil courts of the local town? Well, the weak say, no, let's go to court. I'm going to fight for this. The strong will say, no, we shouldn't do that. We need to handle this amongst ourselves. We need to be patient. I'm willing to be patient. Let's work through it. But you know what the super strong does? The super strong person not only says that, but if it comes down to it, he's willing to take the hit. He's willing to make the sacrifice. He's willing to wear the frustration if it means keeping peace and honoring the image of Jesus. Now, you guys know I don't mean just ignoring sin. The strong will always address the weak and themselves pertaining to sin. But you also know that there's a lot of disrespect that the strong get when they try to show people what they need to do with their lives. The super strong person says, I'm okay with that because God and his purpose for my life is worth whatever it costs me to invest in the future of this relationship. And so when you get to 1 Corinthians 8, it really becomes more of a knowledge issue. It had to do with the meat that had previously been sacrificed to idols. The strong have greater knowledge. They know that there's no such thing as a viable idol. They know that meat sacrificed to idols is no big deal. They could eat that meat. There's nothing special about it. But the weak people have not yet garnered that understanding. They're still emotionally affected by the idolatry in their past, and it would violate their conscience to eat that meat. Now, what's the strong going to do? He might say, well, you need to just figure that out because the meat is fine. If the strong is exercising their liberties, even if it hurts the other person, well, guess what? They're not strong. That's not strength. And the letter goes on to say, no matter how strong you are, no matter what you know, how great your understanding, what kind of superpowers you have, if you don't love your brother, if you don't have compassion for the one with less knowledge, less faith, less ability, then you don't actually have strength. He goes on to say, the Apostle Paul says, I would rather just never eat meat again. I would give up a perfectly good liberty and live without it, even though it's not fair. Even though one day the weak person may figure this out and we can eat the meat again, or he may never figure it out and I may never eat meat, I am willing to take the hit because I have the most responsibility. With great power, with great understanding, comes more patience, 
more care, more sacrifice, more responsibility. And so the super strong in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, and 8, and all the way through the letter, is the one who prioritizes the growth of the weak, looks at them, feels compassion for them, pity even, not anger. This is not a competition. If it was a competition, you listening to me right now on this podcast, when it comes to arguments you have in your marriage, disagreements you have with your kids, people that you get frustrated with at church, I'm guessing you would win every time if there was a written exam on who has the most knowledge on that topic. Or if there was an exhibition of discipline, you're probably going to blow them out of the water. I know you're strong compared to the weak, but are you super strong? Do you understand what comes with great power? And so here's the challenge for you. Here's the challenge. Most people believe they are the strong one in every relationship, which we can use to our advantage. Because if that's how you feel about it, then show that strength. Not like a villain who says, I'm going to win and make you do what I want you to do, but like, like a superhero, or more to the point, like Jesus, with a genuine interest in putting yourself to the side for the sake of peace and growth and happiness. And a really cool thing that happens when the strong are willing to do that with the weak is that the weak do continue to grow. They feel that love. They understand when someone is biting their tongue on their behalf or giving up something just out of honor for them. And they begin to grow. And they begin to get stronger. And they become strong. And then fewer sacrifices are made. The strong cannot force the weak to get better. They have to show them what better looks like. So I sure hope you can find occasion to do that today. If you are strong, you are blessed. Use it well. But just remember this, with great power comes great responsibility. Thank you so much for listening today. We encourage you to check out the website, excelstillmore.life, where you can subscribe to emails, order the three-month journal, or check out past episodes. As always, please consider sharing this with people in your life who you think we can help. And whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.